Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts this week. We watched Loving, directed by Jeff Nichols and released in 2016. The plot of Loving goes something like this. The story of Richard and Mildred Loving, whose legal battle to have their marriage recognised by the state of Virginia led to the end of laws against interracial marriage in the United States. Except there didn't seem to be much legal battling going on in this movie. No. By any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, this wasn't... Um, boring. It was boring. It was not what I was expecting. I mean, I don't, and it could have been told better. Like, I think the point was that this exceptionally boring, ordinary couple happened to have this extraordinary thing happen in their life that led to them becoming legally important. Mm. But... The way but the that story, also makes the movie boring. Well, well, I feel like the story was told in a boring way. Mm. Like it was all chronological. It was like this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. But nothing happened. This is the frustrating thing about this movie is that I just kept waiting for something else to happen. Like at the beginning of the movie, they get arrested, right? Mm. That's the only drama or t- tension in the whole movie. They keep setting up for dramatic tension and then there isn't any. Well, even that arrest in the, at the beginning takes a while to get to. We go, oh, we go such through, a long time. We go through them hugging and kissing, clearly very much in love and there's drag races and there's a whole lot of other stuff. And then, and then finally they get arrested. This is actually a movie, a bit like Lion, where it would have benefited from something really dramatic happening right up front. Mm. Um, and then flashing back to this is how they got together and all that kind of stuff. But even then, that the bit at the beginning, which is supposed to set them up as like just a couple of kids in love and their families are all okay with this and all that, really doesn't set that up because by the time we meet them, or we meet them, the first line of the movie is, I'm pregnant. Mm. We and don't get to see them falling in love. But I think yeah. part, part of that is a problem with chemistry because I didn't think they had much. <laughs> I felt like Ruth Negger was really carrying this movie and Joel Edgerton was not giving I, very much back. I, I can see what he was doing, but what he was doing seemed to be too much of an impersonation or an impression of the real Richard Loving and not enough of like any kind of acting um, other than that. I I found them interesting. I found that they had good um, old married couple vibes. Like there were a lot of – there are a couple of occasions, and again, this is more Ruth Negger than Joel Edgerton, where they've – they just there are looks between them, mm. you know that the kind of looks that long term couples sort of the shorthand that long term couples kind of develop with one another. I thought they did that quite well. He also did a very that relationship. He also did a thing that um, I very rarely liked in movies, where is where he stuck his jaw forward the whole time. Mm, see, I um, didn't, I didn't didn't have a problem is, with Joel Edgerton. I actually thought he was good in this. I didn't. I just found him really frustrating. But part of, I mean partly that is the character, but I also found his acting like it was just kind of one note to me he just sort of did the same thing but it to be fair it is partly the character i found him very like uh, almost like infantilized like to a point that it was hard to see him as an adult a lot of the time mm-hmm. who could make his own decisions because he didn't a lot of he just went with whatever anybody else wanted to do well, it, I, it actually seemed interesting to me to think uh, as sort of the main white male protagonist he's kind of like he's got this sort of white person sense of obedience to the law and not wanting to make waves and not wanting to like he seems to not really understand that in order for there to be progress in order for things to get better you have to kind of have a bit of civil disobedience and you have to stand up for yourself and he kind that of was seems like to me to be applying in. so much more to him than he's actually got going on like to me it's just i, I don't think he even like they there's not even that much going on for him he just sort of goes 
I'm just going to do whatever. I'm just going to do what I'm told. And just like, he, he doesn't, there's, there's this really frustrating scene where Ruth Neg is being interviewed, mm. right? Mildred's being interviewed. And then uh, Richard comes in and he goes, come outside with me. She goes outside. They have a conversation in inverted commas that lasts two lines, like two lines each, right? Mm. That's it. And mm. she goes back inside. And I was like, and I do like the increasingly sort of um, increasingly um, rebellious Mildred in the movie. But like, it's we're given so little dialogue and so little kind of important stuff to go on that when there's an important scene like that, and then it just ends out of nowhere, and that's it. It frustrated the hell out of me because I'm like, there's no conflict, there's no discussion, none of the interesting stuff that that could be generated by this this important court case is in this movie like you know they never talk about how it affects them they never talk about any of this sort of thing it's all just i mean they rarely talk at all it's people are very few words and it's so frustrating because there's all this important stuff going on but the people who were involved in the important stuff are very rarely in the movie and the loving stay away from all the important stuff yes i see where you're coming from um but I, I kind of liked the way a lot of big conflicts happened in, like, sort of smallness. Um, the the decision to leave DC, where you see it building up, you see... <laughs> that also pissed me off, though, because the it builds up this incredible tension for that one scene, right? This and, is and what I keep talking about. And he's by a car and he survives and it's Not, all fine. He doesn't just survive. He's completely fine the next day. <laughs> no scratches left. He has a couple of Band-Aids on his elbows mm-hmm. and then the next day there's no result from this child getting <laughs> hit by a car. I was like... You, you aren't even going to give us any tension from that. There's no drama <laughs> from a child getting hit by a car. And they build it up so that you're not sure whether the kid or Richard mm. is going to get hurt as yeah, well. Yeah. And, like, it's all this huge build-up and it comes to nothing again. Mm. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to me, this movie. because it And it builds up tension in a lot of scenes when nothing happens. Like when, when Richard drives home and he thinks he's being followed and they and sit on the porch and nothing, happens. and nothing happens. Like it happens so often that you're sort of like, they, they looked at this story and went, oh, this is a really boring story. Let's just make it more boring <laughs> by taking out the stuff that actually matters. <laughs> And trying like, to sort of build up some fake tension with a bit of Yeah, exactly. Stuff. There's all this stuff that could be real tension. And part mm. of the frustration for me as well is that I found the movie much, much more interesting as soon as, like, Nick Kroll walked in as their lawyer, right? <laughs> he wasn't the nicest guy. He was clearly using them for his own no. agenda. And he's Nick Kroll, he was, so he's innately creepy. I think that's a bit mean, but sure. Um, he is, though. He, he is, though. He's kind of one of those people who you look at and you feel like he's a bit skeezy. Yeah. I, I, I only know him as himself. Right. So, like, it was... I just don't have I don't have any frame of reference of him in any other roles. Right, right. Um, and mostly I've only heard his voice. I think on podcasts okay. and stuff. So he yeah. doesn't. He didn't creep I, me out. I but think like, I'm just. It's the first thing I ever saw him in was playing a douchey radio host on Parks and Rec. So yeah. Anyway, he he, he does of, seem to be look, skeezes me out a bit. Yeah, but, he yeah. does seem to look like that. He would get those skeezy roles. I don't know. I always feel bad for those guys. I think I've talked about this. before. Yeah. No. I mean, it's not his fault that he has that kind of. Fa- but I mean, people have faces. You know, some people have. Some of us have like resting bitch face or resting skeptic face, which mm. I have. Like. You just, you know, some people just kind of, yeah, look, yeah, they look a certain way, and so they get cast a certain way. But, um, but he was also like funny and had lines mm. that I could understand, and was more interesting than most of the other people in the movie. So I kept wanting to like watch him. <laughs> yeah, and it was really interesting watching him interact with them because there's it's such a 
there's like almost a communication gap mm. because there's like they give so little and he keeps trying to talk to them and they're so stoic and so contained well, and is- that was kind of interesting but mm. then he would only be in the movie for three minutes and then he'd go away again and you wouldn't have anything yeah. well that conflict between them and the lawyers and stuff is interesting because they are just such ordinary country people like they they're not educated they don't speak well or any of that kind of stuff that was the other thing where she was like we have to move back to the country immediately because her kid got 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 hit by a car and i was like yeah because nothing bad could ever happen to him in the country Mm. like well but but that made sense though because you'd seen them kind of going on with their lives and it was sort of it felt like they were in a holding pattern yeah it feels more like she was homesick and finding something to blame for that i understand that but i just thought that was funny Mm. but that's the thing again is that there's there's these narrative bits where they like try and build up tension but that's not really that tense a thing Mm. you know and the reasons why they do all these big seminal things are such tiny things but they don't really build that up there's also all these moments of tension which for me felt really tense like the fact that they send a life magazine photographer out to their home in virginia where, like, if people found out where they lived, they could get kicked out of yeah. the state, like, sent to jail. But they never but say any of these they, things. But, the, but there's a photographer there. He's played by Michael Shannon, who does actually a really good job doing oh, this. Oh, yeah, he's great. But, like, if there are people at their home being interviewing them, and there's a phone and all this kind of stuff, people will know where they are. And mm. then they could, what, they could be sent to jail and they don't ever d- get into that. Exactly. That's exactly it. The stuff that should be tense mm. isn't. And the stuff that isn't tense, they tried to build up. That's the fundamental flaw in this movie. The stuff that is interesting and tense and creates natural narrative tension, they don't focus on at all. Why don't we get to be around for the oral arguments at the Supreme Court? We hardly oh my get God. any of that. Yes, because that was so, so exciting. It was so fun. You're finally there and they're finally talking about it. And then we don't get to see it. It's like and literally I was like, the oh. only thing anyone, these people are remembered for. Like, I mean, outside of their own families, there's one famous thing about Richard and Mildred Loving. They went to the Supreme Court and they won the battle against anti-miscegenation laws. Like, that is literally the one thing. You'd think that the whole thing would be built around the Supreme Court case, but it's kind of tacked on in the last 10 minutes. Yes. And I, I very much understand the fam- the, the, well, Richard's decision not to go up and watch it mm. because um, – Well, Mildred Carl- doesn't get to choose. Well, no, well, no I, I sort of get where she's coming from, but, but Richard I get. He – has just heard the lawyers say that the way Virginia will argue against this is by arguing that your children are bastards. And I totally understand why he wouldn't want to go up for that. And I sort of also get her. Um, like I get she lives in a time, in a, in a different time to us. She's I know She's got a different that. idea of, of what it means to be married. And for her, but this is the, the thing. traditional you're, trappings of marriage are very important because she has to fight just to be You're applying all that. of that to this movie, Right. This movie's not actually presenting any of that. Well, I think they're presenting the bit about how Mildred's quite traditional and it's important to her to be traditionally married, but anyway. Yes, but you're, but but then applying that to like – it feels like we have to put a lot onto these guys because they're not giving us anything. Mm. And it felt like that for the whole movie f- for me. Like that moment, it could be because she wants to be traditionally married or it could be because of that t- conversation they had earlier where he was all like, I can take care of you. And she was like, well, okay, maybe I have to make him feel better. Or it could be because like there's there's all these things that it could be, but we don't get into their heads. We don't get to see why they're choosing yeah. to do well, things. Well, I mean, I, th- I sort of – it seems to me that she does that female emotional work thing of making him feel better about himself. But anyway. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like you – we we don't get to know that. We don't get to be told these things ever. Mm. Nothing of that comes from the characters. We're constantly having to work to put 
to project onto these characters to figure out why they're doing things. But these are the mm. point of view characters. Why don't we ever get to see their point of view on things? Mm. I've, it's, it's really difficult for me. It was really difficult for me to get into this movie because I just couldn't, I, I couldn't identify with anybody because they weren't giving me anything to identify with. I didn't know why they were choosing things. I didn't know what was behind a lot of their choices. Like some of the time they gave us some stuff, but other times it just seemed like they were doing these things that because the movie wanted them to because it's what happened in real life, not mm. why they did it or where they're coming from or who they are as people. Yeah, I, I would have really liked to dig into their relationships, more. their relationship particularly, like watching them fall in love and why they ended up together and why they were attracted to each other. But I also feel like we didn't get enough of their lives as parents as well oh yeah definitely it was like jackie in that way it's all the trappings of parenthood like she's doing her daughter's hair or telling the boys to stop roughhousing he basically never sees the children because he's always out working that and that there's i i actually like that i like that they showed that he just basically worked all the time and they were very poor they showed that they were very poor in quite clever ways as well she's carrying the same handbag to the the first lawyer they meet in 1958 is when she goes to meet nick kroll like five years later so like they, sh- I like that that stuff, but there wasn't enough of like, what kind of parents are these? How do they feel about their children, particularly with they him? They must have been excellent parents because those kids did everything they were told to as soon as they were told to do it. <laughs> well, but that's it's the thing, like, like children in movies, and like you can sort of see her relationship with the children because she's there with them, but he's not, and he's it's harder with him as well. Like, is does he have? any feelings about the fact that his children look very different from him. They're a different race from him. Like, no, he doesn't there, have any feelings on anything. I would like time. to know also what was it like when he went home and told his mother that he'd got, uh, that he'd got Mildred pregnant? Like where is that conversation? Where is the conflict there? Like, I bet he didn't tell her. She just showed up one day pregnant and he was like, oh, yeah. And she was like, okay. Like, yeah, this is what I mean. Like we don't get anything from but, these guys. It, but the thing is if you're making – like I get that they're real people and I get that their daughter – was involved and that you need there's a need to kind of respect them as real people but you can you also need a narrative it's a story but yeah it's a story it's a fiction film and you can punch things up Mm -hmm. by actually having those conflicts that maybe weren't said out loud or not said out until loud until later because like his mother doesn't tell him and it doesn't say anything to him until after Mildred's giving given birth and she said you shouldn't while she's giving him while she's giving birth yeah you shouldn't have done you shouldn't have married her um like, why wasn't that up front? Why wasn't there some kind of But also that's the only time that she shows to... any personality in the movie. The only time. And she's look, she's the local midwife as well yeah. in this rural town where there's a significant lack of services that these people are dirt poor, they live off the land, they don't live near town or anything like that. That's interesting, right? That mm. she's got enough education to safely deliver women's babies and, and an that she's also doing that work. There's an interesting line as well that one of the only under- lines that I understood from Martin Sokas, who plays the local sheriff, I mm. think, or sheriff's second or whatever. But um, he says at one point that Joel Edgerton's dad worked for a black man. And I was like, oh, Why don't we this is an that? interesting look into who he is as a person. Mm. But we don't get to see much of it. And, and like when he's you know, cleaning out water for the um, people who are giving birth and stuff. That's kind of an interesting character trait. But those are the only things that we're given right. as an insight into him because he doesn't give us any insight no, into and that, him Well, yeah, that's point. right because his mother, like the the way she just gives him orders and he knows what to do around, around women who are giving birth. Like that's interesting. Yeah. Why don't we see some of that? There's so many interesting things about the story. There are Again, all these interesting sidelines <laughs> that we could go down. And like the brother-in-law as well who's played by um, Alano Miller. Um 
who we'd seen in Chain the Virgin, mm. I thought he was great. Yeah. I was really impressed with him. Every time he showed up, I was like, yes, let's get more of the brother. In. Like, mm. uh, she, he's Mildred's brother. And he was so charming and charismatic. The dad was also really good. Mm-hmm. Like, that family yeah. was much more interesting <laughs> than the Lovings most of the time. Um, and her interactions with them were interesting. That like, She had different relationships with all of her family. What, and the what about the relationship between the the senior lovings and the jaders like they they obviously live close to one another and they obviously know one another but it's again that whole thing of like him not telling his mother that he's got Mildred pregnant there's no they they all get together in the house when the baby's born but there's nothing like before that of and even then they don't talk <laughs> no and there must have been they they live close their children are dating there must have been some kind of something go on there. Yeah, I remember the moment when they got arrested and I was like, finally this movie is starting and then it just didn't. Mm. It just kept doing the same thing. I didn't even think it was particularly well shot, to be honest. Like, mm. there's a lot of long takes when they don't need to be of people walking towards or away from the camera. Um, it's very still. It's very uh, – it, it, it's got no, like, momentum. You know, it, it's very, it's very – It's very slice of life. It feels like – Almost not quite a documentary, but it it it's well, it was that, based on a documentary. It's apparently. got that vibe about it, or like a or like it the feels boring, British, unedited um, <laughs> uh, reality TV. Yeah, well, it's not. It's like the director is actually American and Southern, mm. um, but obviously the lead actors are Irish, Australian, and well, Martin Nick Cole's American. A, Martin Sokas is a Kiwi. Yeah. Joel Edgerton's Australian, Ruth Negger's Irish. Mm. I think that's it, though. I think everybody else in, is actually as far as, American. As we know, yeah. But they were also the three who, well, two of the three who had the least comprehensible accents. Mm. Um, really, really difficult to understand Joel right. Edgerton and or Martin Sokas so in those I, roles. My I think th- Martin Sokas actually had trouble with the accent because at one point he says out in a way that definitely wasn't American. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the switching a little bit made it even harder for me to understand him. Yeah. Oh, there were sentences of his where I didn't understand entire words. Yeah. Um, but Exactly. I, and there's so few that you don't have any context right. to I, try I mean, and figure it out. I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to do the method acting thing of actually talking like these people actually talked. Yes. But- Katie just like rolled not just her eyes but her whole head. <laughs> well, okay. I understand that. But – in a movie, you have to have at least a little consideration for the people who are watching the movie to be able to understand important scenes like the one between the sheriff and Richard when he after he gets arrested, after he tries to bail, bail Mildred out, right? That sets up a lot of the problems that, that happen like, in this movie. Get, and we couldn't catch every – we could barely catch every so second So I word. had trouble hearing his exact words, but I didn't have trouble knowing what was going on because Joel Edgerton didn't like – and I think he's good. You don't, but I do. I think he was quite good in this because he has like so much going on behind his face. Like you watch his jaw tense up at certain points and things go on behind his eyes and things like that. I have no problem understanding that scene. So I like I get that it was annoying that we couldn't actually understand the words and we, he could have done with some subtitles. But it's yeah. setting up the conflict for the movie, right? That is the main conflict in this movie. It's mm. racism. That's – and there's been – Almost no racism up until this point in this movie. It's hugely important. And they they fumble it. They fumble that mm. scene. And you can't understand it. Joel Edgerton is – I mean, I, I, he, I noticed that his eyes were really blue. 
But like, yeah. I, I did have trouble understanding. Like, all I got from it was that he felt like sad and shame. Um, I didn't think that there was that much going on. But part of that is also because I didn't know what he was reacting to. And, and the only thing I caught from that was that his dad worked for a black man, mm. but there were then lines and lines. And at some point there was something about being confused and I didn't know what he was saying. I just didn't hear what he was saying. And it's clearly an important thing because he is representing the state of Virginia in this scene, right? And he has to because a lot of the time we don't actually get to see that point of view. We get the lawyer who's a little bit – the first lawyer who's a little bit useless but, like, comes in and saves them at one point. Mm. We get the judge who really doesn't have a personality at all and barely says anything. We no, only get – But whose writings they read out and you're like – Right. Why didn't – so you actually make a really good point about the lack of – overt racism like you don't even actually that very first scene where there's a drag race going on and Richard is with Mildred and the black guys and there's white guys on the other side of the of the track and they they're these guys are like standing at their car and they look over at Richard and they kind of have this sort of side eye look yeah, you nothing think that's going to go somewhere. Yeah, and you think that there's going to be an issue like that was in the trailer I remember yeah so there's none of like it, it just seems that Richard and Mildred, because they live out of town on these farms, live in this utopian world where no one ever gives them any shit for being Well, no, together. because at but one point they say people, somebody talks, right? Yeah, somebody has well, told the sheriffs, but we somebody, never know who. Yeah, somebody is telling on them. There's a one scene where the little boy sees him walk in and go upstairs. A little black boy, by the way. Yeah, and the implication is that maybe he's told somebody, but that's not clear that he did that he no. did, or, you know, maybe he was just – it's not clear whether he told well, somebody or he was just fascinated by the idea that there is this couple that are half black and yeah. half white and they've got black No, no, children. I'm pretty sure that that's not what's going on because of the music, which yeah, is yeah. half of how I figured out what was going on in any scenes because the the score was working. Like whoever did the score needs a medal because that was working overtime mm. to let us figure out what was happening in this movie. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I like – I, I do have genuine praise for Ruth Negger because she took all of this stuff that was going on in this movie and she made it something that was workable, which yeah. is something that only the best actors in this movie managed to do. And in, to my mind, that's her, that's Michael Shannon, who was in two scenes yeah. and completely stole those scenes, just brilliant in those two scenes. Um, yeah. and, and I thought Nick Kroll was good. Um, like mm-hmm. he, he did more with that role than anybody else managed. I think those three were the, oh, and I thought the brother-in-law was good as well. So like, I, I didn't mind the other lawyer as well. Yeah. We, he was surprisingly yeah. good actually. Cause he came in looking skeezy and kind of gross, but like mm-hmm. managed to make you like him through the course of the movie. That's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Um, yep. so yeah, those guys were much better than, than a lot of the main stuff that was happening. But mm-hmm. Ruth Negger basically carries a lot of this she, she yeah. has a lot of emotional work to do and she has to do it without constantly breaking down into tears like she doesn't cry he cries more than she does and she mm. starts out as like very obedient very um submissive very much like doing whatever she's told to do which can be actually quite frustrating at the beginning but like for me that was more of a narrative frustration yeah. and then towards the end of the movie she becomes more empowered and richard is the one who's rebellious and whatever at the start like he mm. going to get married in God. dc is a, that that's a hostile act no that was funny to me because everybody kept implying like it's implied in the script that he knew what he was doing because everybody kept saying to him but i was like did he though? Because basically what we've seen from this character character for me was that he's a child who has no concept of what he's doing. Well, at he doesn't any point. have any concept. He just ha- seems to have no concept of consequences, which is, I think, which is where I was talking about that being a very like white person. 
idea of rules and breaking rules. He's like, I should be able to. Things are different for me. But but he doesn't ever. Th- he, there's no implication that he thought that. There's just not, an implication that he just went. Oh, I want to marry Mildred. I'll just take her to DC. Right. Like that seems to be his thought yeah, process. So there, there is. Yeah, and he does seem to be. Je- but the just the simple fact that he needs to. Go, he knows he needs to go to DC. He knows he's not going to be able to get married in Virginia. He knows that. The fact that he knows that and the fact that he makes amends around that indicates that he does know what he's doing and he's doing making the choice deliberately. They need to make that explicit in this movie. Because it's clear also that in this time, in this place, in this community, living together and raising a family and not legally being married is not a, is not a big deal for either of their parents or right. their, their community at all. This is, this is where we really need this subtext to be made text, right? Mm. We need them to say that. We need them to say him to well, say, do say at some say point. they do say that, that his parents, both sets of parents do say that. Yes, but, but we need them to say at some point, um, we support you or something, like something mm. clear, not something implied. Um, yeah. They need them to say that. They need him to say at some point, I'm sorry that I took you to DC without telling you that it, that, that it, this would, might be a problem, right? For us to actually understand that he knew what he was doing. Because for me, everybody kept saying he knew what he was doing, but, but what I got from him was that he was like totally clueless and only figured it out after they said it. But I think the movie's trying to imply that he wasn't. Yeah, but and because, he just didn't want to have to deal with the consequences. Right. That's what the movie's saying to me. But what I'm getting from him was that that's not the case. And that's conflicting to me. Yeah, well, and this could have – a lot of this could have been resolved if he'd had a conversation – we'd seen a conversation with his mother. Or a conversation with his wife, who they barely talk. Mm. They barely talk. And I wonder how much that might be an accent issue. I Like when they're together or something, I wonder mm. how much that might be just like based on reality or something. But they they rarely say anything to each other of any importance. Mm. And that is sad. These are the main characters for this movie. This is the main relationship. And they should hash that out. They should say to each other, at some, he should say to her at some point, I manipulated you. I took you to DC knowing that like, that it would be a problem for us to get married in Virginia and then I tricked you into doing that or some, or, you know, actually say that or well. Or did he manipulate in, her? If it was Iron Fist, he would say those exact words, <laughs> which is um, not the point of oh, this no, conversation. No, no, wait till next week till that conversation. But, but he, um, even but if he did said those he manipulate exact words? her? Again, it could, we don't know. Or tell us that he didn't realise but he should have. Or tell us that they had the conversation together beforehand because – I mean, we do see no, him say. No, tell, don't show, and that's the big one of or, the other issues no, no, with but this movie. You see, but the thing is, beforehand, you do say he does say. You see him say to her, "I oh, will go up to DC. It should, it should be okay there," which implies that not just he, but she knows that in Virginia they can't get married. I don't remember that happening. Yeah, he does say that, <laughs> but again, I may not have understood it. Um, and but in, when they're going up, um, oh, there's a bit I, where Ruth Negger, where Mildred says, um. He said there'll be less red tape or something. And that yeah. implies that he didn't know. But again, we don't get to see him say it. Well, so it, yeah. And it, it circumvents a lot. Like a lot well, of me, the time, that implies that they both know. They know that Virginia right. has laws against this, but they're doing it anyway. But that's the thing is that we actually need, we don't need this in implication. Again, we need this subtext to be text. We need them to say it, not explain that, that at some point this happened because that's tell, don't show, right? Mm. that's not showing us what actually happened. That's saying, oh, at some point we had this conversation. But we also know that the lawyer came in at one point and said, oh, I told them it would be okay to come back for the birth, but that conversation didn't happen. No. So is it possible that these conversations well, also, didn't happen? Why Absolutely. Why would he feel the need to, like, 
sure he was their lawyer, but why does he suddenly def- – he? Yeah, he's been a jerk till then. Very yeah, strange he, characterization there. Yeah, like why would he suddenly jump in and save them? And there was no conversation and, yeah, it was very strange. It's so – it's it's so baffling. Really interesting felt- stuff happens off stage, <laughs> yeah. like it, even down to the, uh, over the end. Um, Richard Loving uh, sadly died in 1975, like uh, was killed by a drunk driver, like in an accident. And so this is only like a few years after all this happened. Seven years. Yeah. So like that. Like start with that. Yeah. Start with devastated Mildred recovering from the loss of her husband in a horrible accident, and go back. Start with anything. Start with something dramatic and go back to other bits and pieces. But also do all the interesting relationship stuff. Do it, all the interesting do all the interesting court case stuff. This is a massive court case. Yes. Do something interesting. Oh, imagine how good of a courtroom drama it could have been. Right. Like this is a courtroom drama and also But a story if it was about a courtroom marriage. drama, I think it would be a story about Nick Kroll rather than yeah. about the loving. Or the, or do a story about their relationship, in which case you're gonna have to like, Give us I mean, sure, he can still be a um, taciturn country guy. That's fine, but he need you can write him a little bit differently. You can like, break him out of that occasionally, well, you, you, or well, I mean, make her a, frustrated with it. American drama has a long history of taciturn Southern men mm. being portrayed in theater and drama. I'm thinking like Tennessee Williams here. Mm. Um, like, Marlon Brando. Yeah, I, I am thinking Marlon Brando because the mumbling. Um, but yeah, but Marlon Brando had so much going on right. behind everything so that he did. A great this is the big difference, I Southern, think. Joel Edgerton, to me, yeah. is just not a very good actor. There's a great Southern American tradition of men like that getting a voice through film and and, and plays and theatre and stuff. So give him a voice. Get, make him true to himself because I think um, I did – one thing I did like about this is that they were respectful of the fact that these are – country folk and they're working class and they're, there's never – it never feels like it's it's richer middle-class people looking down on them at all. No, but and in fact, they actually hang a lantern. They have a – hang a um, – hang a lantern? Yes, like they hang that. a lantern. On, um, on that with Nick Kroll's character. Mm, like he mm-hmm. is a character who is often talking down to them. But to me that made him more – like interesting, well, actually, it, 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 I did, and not more sympathetic, but definitely scene. more interesting. And there's these things, moments when I mean, I just think he was a great character. Well, he, he, honestly, the, fact, the way he was set up, he calls her and he says, "I've got these DC offices," and then we see him walk into these offices in DC. He's borrowed them from somebody yeah. else. He goes around pulling down yeah. all the photos, putting like and putting his own name plate out instead of somebody else's. Like that is, it tells you everything you need to yeah. know about him. As does the fact that the next thing that he does is go to his law professor at Georgetown. And ask for help. And look at this. That's all this characterization, more characterization than we ever get for Richard or Mildred in one scene and without mm-hmm. talking. And if they can do that, they can do that for them. And that's the thing. And I, I feel like part of that might have actually been like Nick Kroll as a an improv comedian. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like a lot of these things feel like a lot of the things that are good about his characterization feel like he contributed a lot to that character mm. by being an improv comedian going, well, my character would do this and that and something else. And that makes him much more complex than like people that we spend a lot more time with mm. because he is both – he's kind and ambitious. He is somebody who is using the Lovings to get to the Supreme Court but also genuinely wants to help the Lovings. Mm. He is a confusing, strange, interesting character, right? Mm-hmm. And he is somebody who I wanted to spend more time with because I was just into that – like it, it just 
felt more interesting to me. When they finally got to the Supreme Court and they start talking about what this means for everybody, I was like, yes, this is so great. This is so interesting. This is what this movie is about. And it's over in two scenes. Two. You hear it play over her listening to it on but the radio. But I wouldn't have minded just to continue to hear it over scenes of them interacting. Mm. I wouldn't have minded because it's it's showing us what the words are actually talking about. Mm. But they only get two sentences each or something like that before they yeah. get cut off. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is the most important thing in this whole movie. And the only important thing that really gets said is what threat are they to the state of Virginia? Because clearly they're not a threat because they're so dull that the only threat that you could possibly have is being bored to death by them. Mm. Like, that's it. That's the problem with this movie. I just, it's so frustrating. And I, my, my attention wandered half the time, which is probably why I missed half of the things you keep talking about, because I was thinking about other things because I found it so hard to concentrate on this movie that didn't want me to care about anybody. So, I, yeah, I didn't have so much trouble concentrating. I've, Ruth Negger is lovely. Mm, and incredibly watchable. So I just was able to kind of hang a ha- hang I think her. And it's because like, like Joel Edgerton, I didn't yeah, care. Yeah, and about. I, I didn't mind Joel Edgerton. I actually think he did a good job in this. See, for me, he could throw in his hat with Sam Worthington and J- um, Jai Courtney and what's his name? Jason Clark as like Dave the- of the Planet of Ips. No, <laughs> no, he's better than those guys. I well, he not, well, is. I think he's dull, and I think he's like, I, yeah, I don't know. I think he's better than those guys, and he's been around longer. Maybe and marginally. I, I just, I always get a vibe that he's quite a smart man, and also based and on this is, movie, because he seems no, like in he real was dumb life as shit in this movie. I, if, in real life, I feel <laughs> like he's quite smart, but also he made the gift, to, which apparently is yeah, awful. Yeah, and so. also, well, to me, he's also he has. Been in a high-profile interracial relationship. Oh, has I think he? that's one of the yeah one of the few things I know about him is that he dated Kathy Freeman, right? The athlete. Yeah, I know who she is. Um, <laughs> but the runner, and so I feel like, and and actually we were just talking about this before that um, Ruth Neger was dated Dominic Cooper. Cooper, or we think still is. We don't know. Um, is also been in high. Is actually the child of interracial parents and also in famous interracial relationships. We himself. were talking about. So I that. wonder if he's as the particularly as the white person he's feeling an extra sort of sense of responsibility in doing it right and doing it a certain way and in doing that he's not taking the risks that he should have taken i feel like this is funny just because of the context that we were talking about that in which was that i never know who's like which who's celebrity dating is dating whom, and i'm not which is why it's funny now because you're like joel edgerton dated somebody well, i'm not really i don't really keep up on the gossip side of news but i did I did know that he dated Kathy Freeman. That was you're much quite better at knowing who's dating who um, than I am. And I don't know. I just always got the idea that he was a smart guy, uh, just based uh, based on nothing. There's no reason, but I just always um, he was of all those those Australian actors you mentioned. He was kind of the first one to hit. He's he's been around the longest. He's done the most. He work. was also in Gods of Egypt. Ooh, Gods of Egypt, ooh, or he? no, no, Exodus, Exodus. The was that him or was whitewashed that? Egypt? Movie. No, it was well, definitely Joel okay. Edgerton. Well, then that's yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, maybe I, he's trying to make up for that. Maybe he is. I don't know, but I just didn't find him very engaging. Mm. I found him frustrating, which again may have been the character, but I didn't get, I didn't get a sense of what he was feeling a lot of the time, unless he actually cried. Mm. You know, like that was the only time that I really got that. Um, I didn't feel like yeah. he was. I felt like it was a lot of surface acting and, and not a lot of like one of the really it. interesting things about the way this character is portrayed. This is a 1960s, 1950s, 1960s dad in the South, in the country from a it's poor not the South. White- Virginia is not the South, right? It's North. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, Virginia is 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 like technically the South. 
Okay, um, but, but it's it's, it's, far it's north. Well, well, yeah, Virginia is um um it's like surrounds DC. Yeah, basically. That's what I thought. But it's in the south. But my point it's is not. It's like way up the top. It's Virginia's in the south. Look, I will get, put a map in the show notes. Um, <laughs> I'm but, bad at American geography. But Virginia is technically called the south. It was part of the. It seceded during the Civil War. It, I know very little. <laughs> my point was not that. My point was that a man from that time and place, who we never seen, it snows. Yes, it's far enough north to snow, but it's still south. Doesn't snow very much in Virginia. Um, but anyway, so we never see him hit his children. For example, there's never any kind of no. daddy discipline. Well, like yeah, that. but they definitely um, so, cleaned this movie up, though. Right. Can I just say because we see a photo being taken by Michael Shannon of um, of Richard lying in Mildred's lap, and Mildred's, uh, and they're laughing at a TV show. And then we see the same photo of the real Richard. 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 That's their couple name. Um, <laughs> Richard and Mildred uh, at the end of the movie, and um, and she's holding a cigarette, which she definitely isn't in the movie. Right. So they definitely That's, cleaned it up. Yeah. Well, so but cigarettes are, and he smokes, and she doesn't in the movie. Yeah, it's very strange. But cigarettes are often um, edited out of things in movies. Like, if if anything's going to go, the cigarettes are the first to go. But there's nothing. Of, he never actually he gets... He saw the movie about that. He, Thank you for smoking. That was a great movie. He cries, but he never gets physically angry. Like, have you ever met a man who doesn't, like... Yeah, it's still in the South. It looks South to me. It looks middle, maybe. Somebody write in and tell Katie that Virginia <laughs> is, in fact, in the South. Um, so, but, he, don't, but, like, it just seems like there's something that's missing there. Because no, a lot he, of the way, like, when you talk about... Like masculinity and things like that, a lot of the way that men will show their feelings is through like physical anger or mm. taking out their anger on something. But he never does that. He right. he does the thing where he retires to the garage and fixes his car, <laughs> which is cool and fine. But we don't actually see him showing emotion while he fixes his car. He just like goes there. Right. And I think that actually like it, it seems to me that the movie is implying that he is a gentle person yeah. by doing that. So why but not, we don't why get, don't we get more of that? being gentle much. But what, yeah, exactly. But in that time, in that place, that would have been, been rare. Important. Well, that would important. Uh, yeah, All of this stuff could have been really important that they just don't put in this long-ass movie that has yes. so many long scenes that are just long scenes of people sitting on porches or lying in beds or walking towards the camera, walking away from the camera and not doing anything. And I'm like, there's so much mm. in this story. This is such an important story. Would you please just tell it to me? Like, I want to know about this history. This is massively important. This is massively important, not right now, not only right now in the States, but they talk about how marriage is a basic human right in Australia. Yes. We don't even have gay marriage yet. They yeah. have it in the States and they don't have it here. This is, this matters, right? Yes. Right now, yeah. this is a movie that matters. Yeah, so this make case, it matter. Yeah, is important. God, I, I just, I'm and, so angry. Yeah. <laughs> and it is like it's this it's this civil rights it's human rights it's basic mm. human decency that they're talking about here like this should be something that is easy to do mm-hmm. this should be and and um okay this seems like may seem like it's going on a tangent but bear with me last week we watched kong skull island right yes. this is by a relatively new director i don't know jeff nichols i think that's his name i remember seeing it at the end yeah yeah i don't know him i don't know anything else he's done but this last week we saw a movie that was made by a guy who's relatively new to the scene, who hasn't done much else, who managed to make a really cool movie. 
Like he had all the all the tricks of the trade down. He had all the technical skills to be able to make this massive, massive budget movie and also make it emotionally engaging. This week we see a movie that should be all about emotional engagement. And Jeff Nichols just kept taking me away from that emotional engagement almost on purpose. Mm. Like it was like he was trying to make me stop being interested in this movie a lot of the time mm. and the only reason that it even managed to hold my focus enough to stay awake or to even focus on it every so often without me just drifting into my own thoughts was because Ruth Negger was there mm. and like he owes her a debt of gratitude because without her this would not have worked mm. she's brilliant and she's wonderful and I'm glad she's getting the recognition she deserves for that but like it shouldn't be something that's this difficult to do. And people like Colin Firth was a producer on this movie. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get somebody better to direct it than this guy. Yeah. Also, his name reminds me a little bit of the guy who directed Harry Potter. Uh, well, and it's not that different to the name of the guy who directed Logan. Yeah. Um, but Also, movies what, that didn't quite. Imagine how this would have gone in the hands of. A Mike Nichols? What, Mike? Yeah, of a Mike Nichols. Of a, yes. Of, yeah, Mike is he Nichols. the guy that I hate that directed Harry Potter? <laughs> no, no. Mike Nichols is a famous director. He made Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, I think. No. Okay. Who am I thinking um, of? <laughs> uh, oh, you're thinking of, I don't know. So um, imagine this in the hands of a black director, a black Southern director yeah, from right. Virginia. Imagine it in those hands. But you, uh, it's, it's maddening because it is so important because, and part of the point of the movie, which doesn't get made very well because it's just boring, is that, that, <laughs> The people who, the real people who these kinds of laws affect are ordinary. They are working class. They don't it live great to in see the city. Any other couple it affected too. Right. All you need is one scene where um, they're in no, town like and she can't decide which bathroom to take the children into. Right? How I don't powerful. That. No, that it happen? didn't happen. It should have. <laughs> How powerful I know, I was would like, that, that been have great. been? Well, because I was thinking of that because I was thinking these people are so ordinary. But I don't think the, but the but city, I was, yeah. And I was thinking like the states that are now trying to do anti-trans bathroom laws are places like South Carolina, these sorts of places, and the people that they affect because, you know, we often have this idea that that gay people or trans people only live in the big cities or what, and they don't. They live in ordinary towns doing ordinary things like the Lovings who live in mm. an ordinary place. They're ordinary people. They don't have a lot of education. How powerful would that have been if they'd gone into town and they couldn't sit at the same lunch counter? Mm. How like that? David was, Yates is the guy I hate. All you would need that would be all you would need. Yeah, and it would have just it would have lifted it. It would have made it relevant, especially like is they make the point at the end about marriage being a fundamental right. Why not like such an important point that is so so lost on this it's on movie? The, for, it's on the over the credits on the on a line. But we don't even really feel that from them a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Like there's only there's this bit actually that when they got arrested, that was maybe the most engaged I was in the movie when Nick Kroll or Michael Shannon weren't on screen. <laughs> um and it was because he was separated from her and he was really frustrated and saddened by that. And you could tell that because he kept going back there and showing and he didn't, up. There. He didn't know what to do without her. He which didn't may, know, that 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 told, tells you more about their relationship than anything else that they actually do. Yeah, exactly. That was like they managed to tell all of that without her being in there. <laughs> so like, and and the shots of her were just her sitting in the corner in exactly the same position, in mm. exactly the same. Like I was like, did she even move? Is this no? The they same they shot, shot it all in one afternoon. Right. This is what I mean. It should like maybe do a montage of her in different positions, her having to suffer through this weekend. That right. We don't see it. Well, we we do actually do see it at one point through the makeup at the very end when she is finally bailed out by her brother. Um, we see 
she looks really tired. Okay, but I call bullshit on that. They should tell that through the storytelling, not, not through just the makeup. through makeup. Yeah. Like, okay, the makeup and hair people might have done like, a good job on this movie, she, but yeah, everybody but this, else has got to do a good job too. This is too. like a seven-months-pregnant woman who's spent five days in jail in this Was little, it five days? Well, well, it seemed like that because he's there, he gets out, he goes home, there's a night. He, he goes, he's told to come back Monday. There's a night, he comes back, and everything's still running like it's still a, a working day. And then he eventually he, he comes back again at, at night, parks his car outside, and he eventually comes back on Monday no, like, dad, oh, bails sorry, dad bails her out on Monday. Because he's like, oh, you have to let her own people yeah. come do it. So, and then he sneaks into the house and I was like, how stupid are you when the last people that snuck into the house were people who like literally arrested you guys? How how dumb do you have to be to then sneak into that house? Mm. My God, he's so stupid. And he's so like, he's so childlike and so kind of naive. and And I couldn't. I was worried for the kids when he was around because I was like, he just can't look after children. <laughs> and that's the thing is when he says, I can look after you, I'm like, based on what? Mm. Based on what? But all we see is him actually working. We don't actually see the money problems or the issues. No, but like, that's like what I said, he, made a lot, no, he made a lot of money off the car racing. They imply that. Well, like, but not in, like he made money off the car racing. They don't have a lot of money. They can't afford a lawyer. They can't afford, right. she can't afford a new There's, handbag. It seems to be like, fluctuating on what they can do and what they can't do and none of that seems important to the storyline but that's aside from the point he based on what can he take care yeah, of her there's no demonstration we don't of see it that. We other don't than he works very that. hard and he gets a gun at one point because he thinks people are coming but they're not like we don't see him taking care of her we don't see anything that imply that like literally tells us the things that this movie keeps trying to tell us mm-hmm. i just felt i it was such a narrative frustration and like the story doesn't do any of the things that the story is trying to tell us that it's doing, you know, it, it keeps telling us that he's doing these things, but we don't see any of it. Mm. And just, it's, it's not well made. No, I was, I came into this movie actually based on the trailer going, I really want to like this movie, but I'm not sure that I will. And I thought that I just wouldn't because it's a period romantic drama and you know how I feel about those but I ended up liking it, not liking it for whole other reasons than that. <laughs> like just that it wasn't good. It wasn't well made to me. That a lot of the acting wasn't good and it just doesn't convey any of the things it's trying to convey. I never got emotionally engaged in a story that I felt would be very emotionally engaging. Yeah, and very much of interest to us. Yeah, this is a story that should be really, really interesting to us. And I would be fascinated by this court case. This is such an important court case. We see it all the time being cited now with a lot of the like gay marriage things that have been happening mm. recently. You know, this is a massively important case. Mm-hmm. I've heard Loving versus Virginia a thousand times on TV shows and movies mm-hmm. and everything, right? I've heard of this. I knew what this was. Yes. So tell us this fascinating story that we've all heard of instead of telling us the most boring story that you can possibly craft out of this thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh. It's okay. We've, <laughs> we've talked for ages. We don't have to talk anymore. Okay. Have you got all your frustrations out? Yes. Okay. What are you giving it? I'm going to give it two out of five stars. I was too mad at it <laughs> to give it anything more. I just couldn't like it. Mm-hmm. I am going to give it two and a half because I liked it a little more than you, although... I thought you would go higher than that, honestly. No, I don't like it enough to give it like <laughs> much... Well, it, it was still boring. I still looked at my watch like 20 minutes in and went, is this all? I didn't look at my watch. I just whinged at you. <laughs> I was like, oh, every time that something happened. Yeah, I wasn't quite so actively disliking, but it's it's not 
a great movie. Um, I'm, I'm sad that it's not a great movie because these two deserve better. They do. They do deserve better. The story deserves better. This is important. Yeah, this case story. deserves better. So, yeah. Ruth Negger deserves better. Although I'm glad that people are paying attention to her now. Yeah, Hopefully I'm glad it'll lead to a... like better roles than Warcraft. Yeah. Exactly. I'm glad this is a breakthrough for her. Mm. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read the show notes or find old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you'd like to find Katie's review of Loving or any of the other movies she watches, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. <laughs> Eventually, uh, at some point, maybe. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens on Facebook, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.